Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. First Samuel 17, verse 50. So many verses I want, I want to read, but I'm not going to. You know the story for the most part. Uh, let me read a couple more. 37. It's, it's just a handful earlier. 37. I'm going to read, and then we'll jump to verse 50. David said, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he'll he'll deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Then Saul said, Well, go ahead. (laughs) I got an older brother. Sometimes when I was younger and feeling a little bit froggy. How many know what I mean when I say that? Brother Barkis, every now and then he'd look at me and say, then go ahead and get you some. (laughs) So I said, go ahead, the Lord be with you. But in then 38, Saul armed David with his armor. Put that helmet on his head. Armed him with that coat of mail dangerous to try to put on stuff you haven't been fitted for. Want to walk in with a bad spirit and put on somebody else's armor. David's in the right spirit and chooses not to put on someone else's armor, but I see too many that walk in not wanting to have something custom. David girded his sword upon his armor. He said to go for he had not proved it. David said unto Saul, I, I can't do this. I've not proved them. Today's English, he was saying, this stuff don't fit. I, I wonder how ridiculous he looked standing there. Swords dragging the ground. That coat of mail on it. I see him kind of through a little, can't do this. Takes it off. What did he do? He took his staff in his hand. He picked him out five smooth stones. He got in the brook. Heard somebody say one time he found smooth stones. He found something that had been in the flow. (laughs) Something about wading into the flow and finding something that works. He put him in that shepherd's bag, which he had because he was a shepherd. His sling was in his hand and he drew near the Philistine. Now, we're not even gonna give the Philistine credit for all the stuff he says to David. We're gonna jump over that because he's about to get a rock to the head. Verse 
Verse 50. So here's what you need to know. So David prevailed. He prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. He smote that Philistine, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran. He stood upon the Philistine. He took his sword. Yes, he did. He drew it out of the sheath thereof, and he slew him. Sorry, it's graphic, but it's Bible. He cut his head off. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they went running. Turn over two chapters, three chapters to chapter 21. I'll read two more verses and you can be seated. Verse 9. Verse 8. I'll read 8 and 9. That'll give us the jest. David said to Abimelech, Ahimelech, he said, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? He's ran back here to the priest. He said, I, I've neither brought my sword nor weapons with me because the king's business required haste. That's what he told him. The priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. There's, there's no other sword here except for that one. And David said, there is none like that. Give it me. If there'd have been a dozen new swords and that old one, David would have chose that one. He said, there is none like that. That's what I'm going to preach tonight. It's what I feel from the Lord to tell this church. There is none like that. That thing that killed my last giant. What I used to find victory last time. I don't need a new method. And I definitely don't need a new message. I just need to feel that old sword in my hand again. Throw your hands towards heaven. I want you to pray with me right now. Would you do it? God, I pray you'd help us in this building. Anoint our minds, our hearts, our spirits. Help me to preach it the way I feel it. Help me to give my very best to it. I want to be a steward with your word here tonight. But I want your people to be empowered and strengthened. Let your work be done in this house, I pray it. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We honor you, Lord. Praise God. Find four or five people, give them a chicken wing and tell them there's none like that. How many glad to be in Sunday night church?
There's something about Sunday night church. Something about coming together with God's people. So many are commenting. Seems like every time we show up, something is, is been done or is being done or has been fixed up a little bit or is being fixed up. There's a multitude of people that are working behind the scenes, getting things accomplished. Some of you don't know, but we're about to be able to bring those curtains down right there so the baptismal's not covered up at all. A lot of hard work working behind the scenes. I don't want to embarrass him. Brother King has been here working and doing an incredible job getting the screen ready and working on that. We honor you, Brother King. Thank you for your hard work and to all those that are helping work behind the scenes. But he brought me a hammer that he found up in the rafters. I don't know if we got a camera where I can get real close and we can get a zoom on this thing. This hammer right here is about 30 or 40 years old. It's got initials in it. Now, don't show the initials. They'll want to take it back. But I'm just kidding. Look how chewed up this thing is. Top's coming through. You know what this has done? It's done a lot of work over the years. He found this old, he found this old hammer up there in the building, up in the rafters when he was working. Didn't know what I was preaching about tonight when he came and handed it to me. Didn't know. I said, why don't you just go throw that on my desk? Didn't know what the Lord had been speaking to me about, Brother Faulkner, and working on my heart. We've been doing a lot of talking about projects and working. And Brother Faulkner, the reason this church is here today is because we didn't just start working, did we? This is the representation of men I never even got to meet. Folks that we, some of us didn't ever shake hands with. Anytime you get somewhere great, it's because somebody else worked. The fact that the church is pulling together right now, and Brother Matthew's in a unified effort working to make things happen, what we are doing is we are joining hands with our history. We are linking up. Because listen, 30, 40 years ago, you know what they were saying? Let's build a church that nothing can tear down. But they weren't just talking about a structure. Brother Brown, they were talking about a body of believers. When I've talked with some of you about being a part, if you were a part of the building project in this church, if you helped, I want you to stand. Stand to your feet. Part of the building project in this church. I think we ought to give them a hand right now. But Brother Gray, it was never just about the physical building, was it? Brother Romine, it was never. Did we want it to be a pretty building? Absolutely. I guarantee you, Brother Means, they didn't come all those nights for years in a row hoping that it could be an average building. There's a reason why everybody knows about Calvary Tabernacle. Look around this big, beautiful building. We have people from the city that come in from meetings that have never been in here. I brought a guy down into the, into the sanctuary the other day that had never been here. And he stood in the sanctuary and said, wow. wow. I, thought he, I think he felt the power of the Holy Ghost in here. Because while we built it to be beautiful, we built it to represent who we are. 
and who we want to be. Yeah, let the church, let the stone be beautiful. Let, the, let it be built to last. But it was supposed to be the representation of the reality that the church is meant to last. Let the winds blow. Let the storms come. We're going to have to fix gutters here and there. We'll have to remodel a little bit here and there. We'll have to update. But let's surround it in brick. Woo! Let's put some stone in it. When the winds come, when the storms come, so that the church will last. And I've got good news for the church, but bad news for hell. Just like the building has withstood the test of time, we, the body of Christ, we're still here. Brother Henderson, let me, let me go ahead and do this right now too. We got elders, but we also got a whole group of young ministers. You know, some people said, give it a generation and it'll be gone. Give it a generation and they won't believe it. But let the winds come, let the rains drive in, and here we are. They were building then and we're building now. And whether you like this statement or not, there's nothing like the apostolic church. I don't even care if you don't like it. If you're watching online and you don't like it, change the channel. But you're probably watching because you feel something when you watch this that you don't feel and just anywhere. There's nothing like the power of the apostolic church. Let the wind come. Let the storm rage. Let false doctrines rise. Heresies might come, but in 2020, COVID or not, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I'm switching. Here's the deal. I refuse to let the devil intimidate us because the day is tough. Somebody shout amen. I feel like grabbing an old hammer and looking at when he handed me that. When he put that in my hand this morning and, and then I said, go throw that on my desk. I sat behind my desk and I looked at that old hammer and I found myself energized in my spirit thinking if I could get back to every one of those elders, I'd want them to know we're still building. We're still believing. We're still trusting. We're still... What are you saying, Brother Carson? I'm saying we're not done building because he's not done giving. He's not done blessing. He's not done releasing. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord, all ye people. Somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Woo! That old hammer... It got me because I knew I wanted to preach about an old sword tonight. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there when he cut that dude's head off? You could say you wouldn't want to see it. You 
ever, you ever stare at something that's like a magnet? You know you shouldn't enjoy watching that? It's gross. Nasty. But it's like a, what is that? What is, what is on her? What is he? Hey, boy. You can't, uh, you can't fight this boy. Brother Senior, you kind of, it's cute that you, it's cute that you want to do something, bub. He said, cute? Brother Niker, he said, I whipped a bear. How would you like to bring that to a conversation? It's cute that you want to help. I whipped a lion. You want to see my resume? Lion slayer. There's not a guy in this building that wouldn't tell everybody about it. Just as the Lord delivered me out of the Paul. That's what he said. He'll deliver me out of the hand of this dude. You see a giant, I see an opportunity. You do know that the bigger the giant, the bigger the testimony. Here's what I felt this week for some of you. I needed to tell you this. Your giant is the best thing that's ever happened to you. I promise you we don't talk about David. David doesn't get near as much youth rally time without Goliath. Everybody that's ever tried preaching has preached David. Brother Norm, listen, here's the truth. I've seen guys that can't preach at all preach David and get away with it. <laughs> I preach these camps and ask these young people, tell me your favorite. Almost every guy, David, David. Don't know the difference between Moses and Noah, but they know that David cut that dude's head off. He did, right? But the state, they try to link him up. Saul tries to hook him up after he gives his little resume. Tries to put that armor on him. Here, if you wear this, I don't know how embarrassing would it have been for Saul to really let somebody else walk into battle with his armor on. But the truth is, what was happening in that moment is really what had already started happening in Saul's life long before. It was the physical representation that Saul had let other people start fighting for him anyway. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And David said... I don't think this is going to work. Starts taking it off. And then, now listen, we don't talk enough about this. The boy walks into the creek. Brother Ben, brothers are already mad at him. Because anytime you try to be righteous, there's going to be people that will not like it. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's the people that are supposed to be closest to you. 
But you got to go ahead and make up in your mind. I'm going to save their life whether they get it or not. I'll fight this giant even if you ain't got the guts to fight. Because the, oh man, I'm trying not to take some of these rabbit trails, but I really want to. He, he wades into the creek. How did he know what stones to pick up? You ever think about the discarded stones? He touched several stones in his hands that he dropped back into the water. We know it because the Bible says five smooth stones. It's intentional. It means he threw jagged ones. He touched. He had slung that thing enough times, Brother Sleva, he knew which ones would work and which ones wouldn't. I said he knew which ones would work and which ones wouldn't. And I've heard all kinds of pre people preach all kinds of reasons, Brother Jason, on why he picked up five. <laughs> Some revelations so deep that nobody understood them. <laughs> Finds five good ones. David was man enough to admit, let history record, I miss sometimes. Oh, I don't know. I think it was for those other brothers. I don't think so. I don't think so because David was smart enough not to carry around extra weight that he didn't need. He picks up the, he knows he missed. He had, he had a wolf come up before. He's had bear come up. He had lion. He already said, I've had things come up before. Brother, Brother Clark, he, he understood. But he picks up five smooth stones. He found out what works. Ladies and gentlemen, we know what works. We know what works. And he got in the middle of the meadow with a giant that was being defiant. But he was not justifying David. And I got news for you. I think had he only been trying to defy David, David could have let it go. David was not concerned about his ego. David was concerned about the way he was treating God's people. There ought to be something rise up in us when we hear the giant. When the giant stands in a dew-filled meadow and begins to speak negativity and death and destruction over the church, there ought to be something that rises up in you that says, I know what will take this giant down. I, I found what works. I, I know what will... If it was just about me, then maybe I could let this go. But I got children at stake. I, I, there's another generation that, that is at stake. The entire body is at stake. If it was just about you, maybe you could let it go. But Brother Losh, it's about your family. So I'm telling you, you got to have enough Holy Ghost tenacity that'll stand up and square your shoulders and say, if nobody else will fight, I'll fight for everybody. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. They should have never been fighting them one at a time. Read the story. They let the Philistines dictate, dictate how the army would be fought. 
David, whose own brothers didn't want him around, whose own dad wouldn't invite him into the, into the living room for the anointing, David fights alone. A battle they should have fought together. They should have fought together. They should have fought together. Woo! Should have been a war cry across that field. But the problem is they did that shout of God every morning and then they turned around and they walked back. When you read it in your text, you see it and you know. They stepped to the edge of the battle line and the Bible says that they would shout and then they'd leave. Remember that? No intention on fighting. Here we are. David, what are you going to do about it? Five smooth stones and a sling he comes running. What did Goliath say? Who remembers? Am I a dog? <laughs> Am I a dog that you'd come to me? Begins to discredit. The enemy would love to discredit us, Brother Cobb. He'd love to get you intimidated with his words to make you second guess your ability. If he can get you intimidated, you won't pray. If he gets you intimidated, even though you know the smooth stones work, even though you know that prayer and fasting gets it done, even though you know what topples giants, if he can get you so intimidated, am I a dog? That's what he said. And David just kept running. He ran towards him. I love to watch this from the side of the hill. David runs toward him. Brother Kip, I would have loved this here. It don't matter because I'm not going to get within distance of you swinging your sword anyway. What I've been developing, I can hit you from a lot farther than you can hit me. I know you're a big dude, but you ain't seen the likes of me. Some of you are so worried about your stature that you forgot your supernatural superiority. Well, the house, he's just a little guy. David was not a big dude. But he didn't have small man complex. Wasn't constantly trying to prove himself. Runs across and starts swinging a sling. That is just about the definition of insanity, Brother Massengale. His brothers think he's about to die. Philistines are laughing over there. <laughs> Look at the kid. Look at the kid. Until all of a sudden. <laughs> Big Goliath. I don't care how bad a boy you are. You take a rock to the head. Timber. Took a rock to the head and big dude fell over. But I love the part of the story. Brother Anderson, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad God has touched your body. I'm so glad that you're here. Brother Anderson, he didn't stop there. He runs up over on that Philistine. 
You talk about insult to injury. It's one thing to get knocked down. Listen, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then. Even a, young, even a small guy gets a lucky punch in every now and then. He probably could history could have recorded his lucky shot. But insult to injury for the enemy is when David runs up, pulls it out of the sheep, and cuts the dude's head off in front of everybody. I can either be willing to rejoice knockdown power or I can let everybody know we're not stopping until this thing's done. I need everybody in the other army to know I am not happy for a today victory. I am not happy because the giant fell, but I intend to hold his head before the day is over. He looked at me and called me a dog because I didn't have a sword. Well, I got a sword now. Man, I feel like preaching right now. I've come to tell somebody everything the devil has been using against you, it's time to turn against him and let him know you've been waiting on a moment like this. You've been waiting on an opportunity like this. What do you mean, Brother Carson? I'm gonna tell you right now, you got power in you. You've got authority in you. He told Some of you, he told you you'd never make it this far. Let me just get a witness in the house of somebody that could be transparent enough to say I went through a season not too long ago when the devil tried to convince me I'd never make it here. Stand to your feet or wave your hand. Do something. Let me know. You ought to pull that sword out tonight. You ought to pull that... Brother Hauk, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. You don't need a new song from the choir. You don't need a new text from the pastor. You got a, you got a sword. You might not remember me, but I remember you, devil. You might not remember this, but I remember very clearly. You told me I'd never make it through, but I'm still here. You told me I'd never beat this, but I'm still here. I feel like lifting Goliath's head in Calvary Tabernacle on a Sunday And all the Philistines had to turn and run. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you've heard me say it, but I want you to hear me say it again. There's people that want to shut us down. But I feel like lifting his head and telling them we're not going anywhere. If anybody's going to run, it's not going to be the church. If anybody's going to run, it's not... I want you to throw your hands towards heaven and I want you to say, God, let me get the sword in my hand. I've learned, 
I've learned what it means to cut the head off of a giant. I've learned what it means to feel victorious. One of the greatest things of this season, Brother Matthews, is to get us believing mentally that we're not who we already know we are. He'll take a man, you may be seated, he'll take a guy like David that whips a giant in a meadow and whips a, whips a giant nobody else would even fight. Cuts his head off. And after he's whipped a giant, he'll run from a man. Normal size. I'm just going to preach it how I feel it. I'm sick of letting people that are in power try to intimidate the church to be something that we're not. We are not a bunch of weak, limp-wristed, bashful, backward, mediocre, apathetic. We are the church of the living God. And so I refuse to let any... I know Saul might have power. I know Saul... But do not forget who you are. You are the people with a sword in your hand that reminds us if I killed a giant then, I can kill a giant today. If I destroyed a giant then, I can destroy. The giants they were facing. Listen to me, Brother East. The giants 35 years ago and the giants today, they might look a little different. They might sound a little different, but they're all the root of the same spawn of sin. They're all... They're all the same thing. And the sword that won then is the sword that will win now. My God, I feel like preaching tonight. If it was good for the elders. I said if it was good for the elders. We preach to the young people right now. You don't need a new sword. You need a good old sword. You need a sword that works. You need a sword that you... Hear me now. Pastor loves you. You hear me now. Don't you be able to quote more movie lines than you can Bible verses. You know how to tell jokes with the, my God. How many would agree with me right now? Nod at me or I'm staying here for a while. You got to know how this feels in your hand. You got to know what this looks like. You got to know what it means to get to Colossians chapter 2. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You got to know what it looks like. When the enemy tries to show up convincing you that you're somebody you're not. Tries to put some lies in your mind that you're less than who you are. Like when David walks into the house of a... Come on, he walks into the sanctuary with Ahimelech and he says, is there a sword in the house? He said, the only thing I've got is that old one. I've only got that old one. And David said, there's none like that. There's none like that. Here I am in the middle of COVID, yes. In the middle of all kinds of social distress, yes. But I'm telling you, there's none like this old I want you to throw your hands towards heaven right now and thank God for a sword. (laughs) 
where else can I turn to the gospel? Where else can I turn to 1 John? Where else can I get to Romans? Where else can I get to Hebrews? Where else can I get to the Exodus? Where else, where else, where else? Where can I find it? Nowhere but here. And when you take this sword and you couple it with prayer, You take this word. Deliver me from mine enemies. Oh my God. Defend me from them that rise up against me. Psalm 59. For deliver me from the workers of iniquity. Save me from bloody men. For they, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me. Not for my grand transgression, nor, nor for my sin, O oh Lord. They, they run. They prepare themselves without my fault. Awake to help me. Thou therefore, O oh Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to visit all the heathen. Be not merciful to the wicked. It's one thing for you to just say it. It's another thing for you to get in line with this sword. Man, I hope I can make my point here. I, I, I hope I can get this. It's one thing for you to say it. It's another thing when as a Holy Ghost filled believer, you start to work in tandem. You get in harmony with this. I'll tell you what it is. It's like beginning to practice. It's like remembering what cuts the head off of a giant. It's like grabbing this whole thing for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's not a new fight, ladies and gentlemen. It's the fight against sin. But we are victorious if we'll just stay in the word of God. Throw your hands towards heaven all over this house and I want you to begin to rejoice. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start saying over and over again, there's nothing like this one. There's nothing like the word of God. There's nothing like the sword that I have. There's nothing like the sword. Brother McFarlane, you just got a miracle a couple weeks ago, didn't you? Just got a miracle in your body. You're not supposed to, during a time of sickness like that. Do you want to know, I'm going to put on, I'm going to go ahead and put this on blast right now. That one of the major things that's happening during all this COVID sickness that so many have been fighting and no one wants to talk about, I talked to the prayer team before service about it, is the fighting against the battle of the mind. And I guarantee, Brother McFarlane, that there were some battles during that sickness. And the enemy tried to tell you that you can't make it. And you won't make it through. And you can't get a miracle. And you can't get... But Brother McFarlane had the enemy... Had he really had any power, you wouldn't be standing here on Sunday night, right up front in the church. But the enemy doesn't have power over you. The enemy doesn't have authority... Brother Anderson, I don't want to pick on you, but some said he's had too many underlying health issues. He can't get COVID, but here he is again on a Sunday night. What the enemy...
I know we've had some issues, but I've had five calls, four or five different calls today alone of people that have told me there's been a miraculous turnaround. It looks like everything is going to be all right. I'm going to tell you why I'm tired of letting the enemy tell us that we cannot win. We've got victory in our hands. Give me somebody that's got a fresh miracle to throw your hands towards heaven and rejoice a little bit right now. We will not give up. We will not give in. I got a sword. Now listen, I'm not taking time to flesh out the fact that it had been left there. It had been left there and we're not going to deal with all the theologians and their thoughts on it. But David seemingly had offered that unto the Lord. And it would not have been normal for someone to go and what they had given to the house what they had given to the Lord to take it back. But the priest said, I do have an option. Somebody's in this house right now and you haven't really invoked that old option for too long. Some of you in here, you used to be Bible quizzers and you haven't... Somebody that's watching this online tonight that's wandered a little bit You don't need a new answer. You don't need a new answer. You need to get your hands wrapped around an old sword. Let there be revival. Let there be anointing. Let there be a one God message that's... Don't you think there could have been some questions 30 or 40 years ago? Do you really? Don't you think there was any everybody or any somebody that, that, that came along and said, I, I pray to God that we'll never turn from the truth. I, I, ho- I hope that we never, I hope that we never get away from this. I hope that, I hope that God will guard us. I hope that, I hope that God will. They built it to last. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be a part of a church that doesn't preach the oneness of God, I'm going to let you know this is not the church for you. If you want to be a church that does not believe in lifestyle disciplines and holy and righteous living, this probably won't be a good fit for you. But if you want to be a part of a victorious, if you want to believe, If you want to be a part of a church that believes the miraculous can still happen and giants can still fall, I wish you would run. I might run with you right now. I feel like running a lap myself right now. I want the devil to know we are not intimidated. We are not giving in. If you want to see miracles, this is the church. If you want to see drug addicts delivered, this is the church. He found the sword in the church. We're not going to be built on hype. We're not going to be built on emotion. But we are going to be we are going to be built on preaching and prayer.
Listen. I can't always do it as good as I want to, but I want the kind of preaching that makes devils uncomfortable. I'm nervous if Christ could show up right there and barely step his sandaled foot onto the shore and a man that's possessed with a legion of demons has to come and fall at his feet. I am concerned when we can have services where people are unmoved. Somebody said if the presence of God is real, then how are some people not connected? They don't have a devil problem. They got a them problem. Devils are subject to his name. Brother Titus, all the work that you and Brother Josh were doing there for that CCS, it wasn't just a, so we could come up and put a big check up here. It's towards the ministry. Because there's a big old building a few miles away where there might not be another, there might not be another school in town. But that school right over there in Bible class, they're gonna hear, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils they also believe and they tremble. Oh, Sister Barkus, I've heard that verse so many times. Over there at that school, you can be seated or stand up. I'm not quite done, you do whatever you want. In that school over there, you're going to be able to get there in that room and say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. In that little Bible class over there, they might walk into a house where they're not told that they're loved a single day out of the month, but they're going to walk in there and they're going to find out greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This is who we are, ladies and gentlemen. It's what we believe. Everything we are is because of that sword. Everything we've ever been is because of that sword. Everything we'll ever be is because of that because of that sword. How many of you are filled with the Holy Ghost? Wave at me. You only got it because of that sword. You only got it because of that book. You wouldn't know anything about it if it wasn't for that book. If you got a Bible, hold it up real high. Brother Senior, how many churches have you started? Do you know? Two different churches that would have never been in existence. And Brother Senior, minus this word, they could have never been built. How old were you when you started that last one? 69? 69-year-old men don't start churches. They might if they got a pretty good sword. They might if they got... I bet you had a few friends that said, that's crazy. I bet he had a few people that told him it can't happen. But when you really got a good feel of that sword in your hand and you feel a pretty good mission, you're not intimidated by a lion. You're not intimidated by a bear. You're not intimidated by a giant. You're not intimidated by cancer. You're not intimidated by COVID. You're not intimidated. You're not intended by some, some homosexual movement. You're not intimidated by some LGBTQ movement. You're not intimidated. We gotta love everybody, but we gotta hate sin. 
We got to get our hands on the sword. Brother Clark, I don't need a new sword. I need that sword. I don't care what kind you got. Maybe you got a nice leather one that costs you a couple hundred dollars. And maybe you got one that was five dollars down the road. It doesn't matter if it's got that word in it. I want you to know you got power in that sword. Bible college students, you better hear me right now. I don't care what you get, you get that word. You get that sword. Yeah, hold that, hold that up. Hold that sword up. If you're going to preach, you preach this word. If you're going to preach, you preach this doctrine. If anybody else preach anything else unto you, let them be accursed. If they stop preaching the oneness of God, they're not in that word. If they stop preaching repentance, If they stop preaching repentance, they are not in this book. If they stop preaching baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. If you stop preaching, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Then you might as well do something else. How many of you guys and girls, you know you're called to preach up there? I want you to stand and throw your hands towards heaven. Stand up, throw your hands towards heaven right now. Look at the balcony at all these preachers. Come on, you hear me right now. Get the sword in your hand. Don't you try to be a great sermonizer. If you gotta gotta choose passion or polish, you choose passion every time. You be passionate about this word. You cannot three points in a poem somebody out of hell. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you will pray and get into this word, you will find in times of destruction, you will find in times of distress. I've had people want to ask me, Brother Romine, what are we going to do about the political climate right now? We're going to pray. What are we going to do about the sickness, though, that seems to be plaguing? We're going to read this word. We're going to preach this word. And we're going to pray. Why? Because there's none like that. There's none like that. There's none like that. I know I'm preaching too long, but I ain't got to preach to you in a couple weeks, and I feel like preaching. It is not the will of God for you to feel like lesser than who you are meant to be. Be seated for a second. I want every young married couple in a room to stand. Every young married couple to stand or to come forward. Do whatever you need to do. Every young married couple. Some of you are trying to decide, are we still young? (laughs) How many know there's an attack against this demographic right here? You hear me right now? It's the will of God that this word be the center of your home. It's the will of God that this word be the center of your marriage. Brother Mass, you're gifted in a lot of things. You do a lot of hard work. But you hear pastor tonight, if you do nothing else, you be a man of prayer. If you do nothing else, you and your wife, you be men and women of prayer. And men and women of this word, if you do nothing else. There's all kinds of idolatry being introduced to this young married demographic. 
all kinds of foolishness and acceptance. But I got good news for the elders in this room. You look around at this group. They believe this message. They believe this message. Okay, be seated. Middle-aged married, stand up. Come on, you know who you are. Whether it's hard or not, accept it. Middle-agers, we're in this together. Will of God hates couples that are faithful and consistent to the house of God. I haven't got to spend a lot of time. I ain't been here long enough, but, but the devil hates you too. You know that, right? He hates you too. He hates your marriage. He hates the fact that you're faithful to the house of God. But yet you still show up. You showed up through transition. You've been faithful through all of it. And every time you show up, it serves hell notice. Brother, sister means he hates you. You need to know this. The devil absolutely hates you. He hates your family. He hates your marriage. He hates everything. He hates your passion for education. He hates your passion to serve the kingdom of the church. He hates, he hates, he hates. And every time you show up at church, every time you're faithful, you serve hell notice. My God, I feel something right now. Brother and Sister Ingram went through this sickness. Sister Ingram, everybody would have said you're too young to fight the sickness the way you did, but you fought that sickness. And I know the devil tried to mess with your mind and made you think, but all the work you've done with Kids Church and all the work that you've done faithful over the years in raising these babies to live for God, every time you show up and be faithful to the house of the Lord, every time you show up, you serve hell no... Brother Titus, I don't want to embarrass you, but let's just go ahead and face it. It's true, isn't he? The devil tried to tell you it's over. You ain't got any future. There's nothing left for you. But when you show up on a Sunday night here in the house of God, you're able to look the devil in the eye and say, you came too late to tell me that I cannot have victory. Hey, I might fall down, but be assured of this. When I fall, I shall arise. I'll tell you where we get that, Brother Henderson, from that book, from that book from that sword there is none like that brother Ben sister Stacy I've known them for years because of Bible quizzing getting to talk some of our early talks in the transition the world does not believe in young couples like you given to the church I can't even imagine how many battles that you had to fight, yet there's never been one time I've heard a negative word. There's never been one time that I saw anything but the love of God. I've seen what you've given. I'm not trying to put you on blast here. I just know you've had to fight some devils too, like every other middle-aged married in this room right now. And I want you to know that every time you bring these babies in the house of God, every time you... They were on family vacation and sent me a picture. Remember that? Sent me a picture watching service at the campsite. On vacation, just not on vacation from God. Middle-aged marriage. You can't be faithful without fighting for it. Am I telling the truth right now? Brother Watkins, you're not here easy. Sister Watkins, you, you don't make it here easy. It's a fight. Brother Josh, it's a fight. Brother, Brother Anthony, it's a fight, ain't it? 
It's a fight. Brother Faulkner, sometimes you want to run away. But you remember, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Marriage isn't always easy, but I made a vow. Coming to church wasn't always easy, but I made a commitment. He saved me. He raised me. He delivered me. It's not always easy, Sister Staten. It's not always easy, Brother Henderson. It's not always easy. Be seated. Come on, elders, stand with me. Elder marriage, stand right now. Now, there ain't a one of y'all in here that got here because it was easy. Sister Sipes, this ain't easy. Sometimes you got to convince yourself to dance. Some of you elders in here, you're married now. You lost a loved one. You lost a spouse. And yet God brought somebody. Most of you elders could be honest and help me right now, Brother Hunter, to how many times, I can't imagine how many times the devil tried to convince you you'll never make it. It's over. You'll never make it. You can't live for God. You can't be faithful. You can't serve the kingdom of God faithfully. You can't be a powerful prayer warrior. You can't come and make You cannot do it. Brothers, go through life trials. But you're still... Do you know that every time, I'm going to tell you why I want you here at church. I'm going to tell you why it helps us. You might not ever touch the microphone. You might not ever be in a special. You might not lead one of the programs. But every time you walk into the into the building, every time you walk into the sanctuary, you serve hell notice again. We're like a church. Here's what I feel. Every time our elders walk in the building, you're like an old hammer that serves hell notice. I'm still here. We're still building it. We're still believing it. We're still doing it. We're still seeing it. Everybody but the elders be seated. And elders, I don't want to tire you out. I'll let you sit down pretty quick. I bet you're not here because it's always been easy. Hasn't always been easy, has it? You have any elders that help me right now and say you face some battles where the enemy tried to make you give in? Some elder, raise your hand so we can see. Just help us right now. I just want everybody else in the room to know that you're, they're not the first generation that felt like giving up. But every elder that just raised their hand, they also raised it in witness. You can do it. You can make it. You can live for God. You know what? Let me ask this. Brother Sipes, let me ask you this question. Have you found out that the good days outweigh the bad days? Have you found out that His mercy is new every morning? Whether I got a giant against me or whether Saul is chasing me, I found out there's nothing. There's nothing like the promises of God. You see, I'll stop. Singles, hear me right now. You're not single because something's wrong with you. 
That's a lie from hell. And you better... Oh, I felt a little something in the spirit right there. Somebody said, Pastor Carson, seems like you've brought up singles a few times. I'm thankful you have a burden for it. You're a vital part of this church. You're a critical part of this church. If God blesses you with a spouse, then so be it. I don't want this to be depressing. But for some of you, you need to hear this. You're not going to be validated by marrying somebody. Man, I feel a word from God for somebody. You need to love this word the way you are. You need to get this sword in your hand the way you, where you are right now. And quit letting the enemy tell you you're somebody lesser than who you are. Well, if I had a spouse, it would be easier. Probably not. My wife would say amen. You know what married people have? They have trouble. You're going to have trouble tonight. They do. You got single trouble, they got double trouble. And then have kids. And then you're really mad at her, but you yell at. <laughs> what validates you is that sword. What validates you is that sword. I'm going to say it again. What validates you is that sword. Beautiful thing about the church. I really am. I'm stopping. I'm done. Stand. It'll make me just know I have to stop. Stand. Stand. You know I don't ever preach this long, but I'm. There is none. I'm, I don't ever, I don't ever want to try to replace his glory with fog. I don't want to ever think we can replace a move of the Holy Ghost with some light show. I don't want to ever start trying to introduce things that we should be fulfilling through the word. I want the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. I was on a national call speaking to leaders from Australia the other night. Somebody asked me, how do we have the gifts of the Spirit? How do we see that operate? I went to the same answer I go to. I said, bear the fruit of the Spirit and then the gift of the Spirit can have room. But all of that, it's here. It's in this Word. I'm so enamored with it right now. So, from Genesis to Revelation, every answer you need you don't know what I'm fighting. It's in here. Yeah, but nobody knows. He was, in, he was tempted in all manner. He won't put anything on you above that which you are able to bear. It's too much. It's not. How do you know it's not too much? 
because he said it. Brother Turner, it's right here. This sword will kill any giant. I'll throw your hands towards heaven right now, would you? This sword, he atonda rebakaya. 